Hey there, 613 golfers. It is I, Jeff Bonner, publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine, your host of 613 Golfer Podcast. And I want to welcome everybody back in for another great episode. And we do have a really, really good show for you this week. Um, but let's start off by uh, just clearing up all the COVID stuff, okay? Um, every week, we're talking about uh, COVID shutdowns, COVID lockdowns, when's the course is going to open up, uh, things, uh, uh, Nag and the We Are Golf Group working hard to try to make these things happen. And clearly, at this point, it's not, hasn't happened as of yet. Uh, still doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. And for, for all likelihood, we're probably going to the May 20th and maybe even beyond. It is what it is. Uh, we can't control it. We can only uh, live by the rules and, and and follow the rules. So what I do understand, though, is that the uh, NAGA and the We Are Golf Group has launched a social media campaign to kind of just um, uh, position or uh, reiterate what they've been saying about the safety of uh, of golf, how safe it is to play. And there, and there can't be any argument there as to how safe the game is. And I don't think that that's currently the government's argument. Um, but I think it's important that um, that the golf industry continue to show uh, how safe the game can be to play, but we can't forget about all the other aspects of it uh, as far as the travel and uh, and community transmissions of, of COVID-19 and whatnot. So there's a lot of moving parts to this, and I think that they recognize that and understand it too. If you've ever read anything that's been posted on their websites, uh, they do completely understand all the other aspects of it. Um, they're just showcase, showing what is what the safety um, side of it or the safety aspect of it is. So you'll probably see a lot of stuff floating around Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, by We Are Golf, uh, probably, uh, um, you know, with various hashtags. I'm not going to get into all that. Uh, um, I have for those watching on YouTube, I got sort of posted to, to the side of me right now is a tweet that our own Scott McLeod sent out. Um, uh, sharing the tweet from the uh, the uh, Naga and the We Are Golf Group as to what's going on, but you'll see that numerous times over the next little while um, uh, on uh, on various social media networks. So let's just push that aside again. Um, we talk about it, we've said our piece, but there's there's other sides to it that we have to re- we have to look at too. Is like uh, anybody that knows me as a marketing person, anybody who's ever dealt with me as a marketing person knows that one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to marketing, especially for golf courses. So any golf course owners listening to this uh, or watching on YouTube, um, blank signs, hate blank signs, never understood blank signs, the concept of blank signs. If it's blank, you're not saying anything. You have an opportunity in a blank sign, put something on it, doesn't really matter what it is say something it draws attention interest um and that we're seeing um there's uh call it the sign wars i noticed that the thing posted uh, on the internet today one two three four kingston declares a sign war and obviously kingston inside the 613 uh interesting story down there of what's happening with a lot of businesses posting on their websites and on their uh, social media pages about the sign wars but Obviously, this is a golf show, so I'm not going to talk about all that stuff, but Amherst View Golf Course stepped into the sign war and called out its, uh, its uh, Kingston counterpart, Rivendell, uh, with a little, uh, with a little uh, social media post saying, uh, basically, hey, Rivendell, kiss my pot. Um, <laughs> so uh, war has been declared on Rivendell. We'll see. I haven't as of yet seen Rivendell's response, uh, but we'll, we'll see. And, and uh, once that response is up, maybe we'll have Rivendell's response and maybe some other golf courses that have signs. What else are you going to put on them right now? There's nothing else to put on them right now. You might as well get some kind of media conversation going about, uh, uh, about just about anything. Get yourself in the news talking about something rather than talking about nothing. So kind of cool. Good on you, Amherst View. Let's see what you got, Rivendell. I like it. I like it a lot. So uh, another good thing with with what's happening is, you know, the whole lockdown thing is not a good thing. Let's get that straight. It's not a good thing for for the industry. It's not a good thing for golfers. We want golf to open. We get that. We understand. But, you know, there is sometimes a little smidgen, little smidgen of silver lining in there. And uh, in the case of the golf courses, there's a lot of projects and stuff that go on throughout uh, throughout a season. Some projects are pushed to the fall. 
uh, if they can't get them done in the spring. And um, because they don't want to disrupt their, their patrons, they don't want to disrupt things at the course. They've got a lot of tournaments, a lot of traffic and stuff going on. Even within COVID, there's still a lot of traffic at facilities. Um, Canadian Golf Club uh, redoing the parking lot. Couldn't do that if the parking lot was full. It'd be very difficult to do that if the parking lot was full. Renfrew's redoing a whole bunch of bunkers on the golf course. Um, improving the play for, for its patrons. Uh, the landings, the new T-line at the landings on the driving range. Castleview also doing a new T-line on their, on their driving range. Um, I, I've seen numerous golf courses, even Metcalf Golf Course, which is very near my house, uh, doing some tree work, clearing some trees, uh, you know, clearing some land, doing a little bit of, you know, it, it's, it's things like that. Take advantage, they're taking advantage of that for what? For you. For all of you, all of these things that are happening, and these are projects that maybe would not normally get done if we weren't in the pandemic situation. So the golf course operators are making the most out of what they have to work with right now. And I think that's really important is they're not just sitting back and waiting for golf to come back and, hey, we're open, let's go. Uh, they're doing things to improve the product for you during a time when they can't have you out on the golf course. So uh, good for them for doing that. Now to that, Obviously, with the, uh, you know, a lot of events that are going to be happening or were, were going to be happening near the end of May have uh, made the difficult decision to, uh, to postpone, cancel, um, uh, you know, those events because there's just a lot of uncertainty as to whether or not, you know, if we do reopen on the 20th, is that too close to our opening date? Uh, not knowing if that 20th date is going to get extended a little bit, is that going to affect our date? Uh, you know, there's a lot of there, there are some uncertainties with respect to to the dates, especially nearing the uh, the next couple of weeks. So, um, and you know that obviously has happened to us. The Flagstick Open, which was scheduled to happen um, on the uh, May long weekend, is uh, has been postponed. Uh, we do have a uh, backup date. We've had a backup date, and this is you know about being proactive. Uh, Scott McEnroy from Equinel and I had talked. We'd established a backup date a long time ago, so we just had to wait until our two-week window and make a decision. We've made the decision that the Flagstick Open will be moved to June 26th, 27th weekend. So only another month past. Uh, we're not moving it late into the fall like we did last year. Moving it a month, 26th, 27th, and that will allow a few things. Number one, that will allow the participants in the event to play some golf prior to the tournament and get themselves you know, ready to go. You know, we don't want people getting injured by just stepping out of their car after not having played golf for, for a, a month. And in some cases, some people hadn't even played golf at that point. So um, this gives them an opportunity to get ready for the tournament. Uh, it is a big deal to a lot of people. Um, and uh, it also gives the golf course a chance to, uh, you know, move some dates around, uh, open their tee sheets up a little bit early in the season. Uh, once they do open, let some people play. Uh, it just makes things safer. Maybe travel will be a little bit, uh, a little bit less frowned upon at that point. Uh, more people will be vaccinated at that point, at least with their first vaccination. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it's just the right and responsible thing for us to do. So um, I know that that will affect some people who have already told me that if we move the date later, that they're not going to be able to participate. I, I understand that. And unfortunately, uh, this is what we're going to have to do. So uh, there is a very long waiting list for the tournament. So we're still going to have a full field of 144 players in uh, through four divisions. And it's still gonna be a great event. All of the prizes are in my garage, and and all of the uh, all of the the registration gift items are all ready to go. So tournament for all intents and purposes is ready to rock as soon as we got the the date to arrive. So now that'll be June 26, 27th. Now we're not the only ones. The OBJ Junior Spring Junior Classic was also postponed. Now I do not see as of yet a date on the website on the OVJ's website as to when that event is going to uh, be moved to. Uh, Loyalist Junior Showcase, which is a really big deal. We, we had uh, Jeff James on the show talking about the event. Uh, it's been moved, postponed and moved to August 11th, 12th weekend. So at least it's still happening because it's really, it's a great tournament and uh, you don't like to see events just completely get canceled. So I'm glad they had a date available to move it to. Um, and uh, there's been numerous CJGA, CJGA events and um, um, Maple Leaf uh, uh, Golf Tour events uh, outside the 613 that may affect some players around here that have also 
been uh, canceled or postponed. Um, as of the as of this show, uh, the Play Junior Golf Tour event at Black Bear Ridge had not been postponed, but I I, I would expect that a, a decision about that will come down probably by the time we air. So. Um, and I'm sure there's other events as well. We just obviously don't know about all of them. So that's where we stand with respect to that. Now, as I said, we've got a great show uh, lined up for this week. We've got uh, Scott McLeod from Flagstick Golf Magazine is coming on with his regional golf report. You will know that we did a few a few episodes ago. We said we were going to have Scott on usually once a, once a month to do a little regional golf report. And I announced last week that he'd be on this week and he's going to be here uh, later in the show to do uh, to do the uh, 613 golfer regional golf report. Kevin Hame is obviously going to, uh, you know, we're going to go into the lesson to you with Kevin Hame a little later on and uh, get a little, another quick tip from Kevin. Um, and our favorite whole contest returns for week number five. So we'll have all that. Uh, as well, our, our, our guest this week, um, we're really excited about Derek McDonald, um, the uh, Academy Manager for the Royal Ottawa. Is going to be with us and we're going to we're going to learn some stuff about Derek. Derek's a young guy, young teacher, very smart, very knowledgeable guy. I've known Derek for quite a while um, and uh, we're going to have Derek with us uh, to uh, to tell us a little bit more about himself and what's going on at the Royal Ottawa. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to Derek McDonald from uh, Royal Ottawa Golf Club. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. At Ping, we're an engineering company. Success is measured in the lab and on your scorecard. We focus on results, your results. In the G425 Max driver, that means more time in the fairway, less time in the rough. It means longer drives, shorter approach shots, and fewer putts. The new G425 drivers taking MOI to the max. Get fit today. Visit ca.ping.com to learn more about G425. Well, I think in life in general, we all develop a passion for something. Um, for me, my passion uh, for a long time was hockey and uh, still is a uh, considerable passion for hockey. But I, I developed a passion and interest in, in golf uh, quite a while ago, um, you know, close to 30 years ago, 35 years ago. And, and really sort of, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something, but I wasn't very good at it. I was okay. Um, I didn't have any aspirations to, you know, to work in a pro shop, uh, you know, per se. Um, I looked at golf as a stepping stone to something else. And my passion has been marketing and publishing and, 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 you know, that sort of thing. So I took my passions, put them together and I, and I launched Flagstick Golf Magazine and, and, you know, here we are, you know, 25 years later, I'm still doing it in, you know, all kinds of different ways. And it's no different for, for young junior golfers growing up that, uh, you know, they either want to be professionals, they want to be club pros, you know, whatever their passion is, if they, you know, if they're passionate about something, they, they want to see it through. And, and my guest is, uh, my guest this week is no different. Um, but, uh, Rather than me tell you the story, because I know so much of it, but rather than me tell you the story, I want him to tell you the story. So um, um, welcome to the show. Very good friend of mine, friend of Flagstick uh, and uh, Academy Manager at Royal Ottawa Golf Club, Derek McDonald. Welcome to the show, Derek. How are things going? Hey, Jeff. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, things have been great. It's uh, been busy um, over here and uh, no, it's it's off and running and season's here and everyone's eager to, to get going and I couldn't be more excited to uh, have started the season here at the Royal Ottawa. Well, obviously it's a, it's a big new venture for you. Um, and, and by the way, congratulations on the new position at Royal Ottawa. I think that's a, a big stepping stone for you, for your career as a golf, uh, as a teacher and, uh, and uh, kudos and, and a lot of hard work's gone into this. And so congratulations on that. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, um, it's been a long journey getting here and uh, it's definitely where I want to be. I can tell you that it's um, something I've worked 15 years towards getting toward getting to now and, and we're here and uh, I couldn't be more excited and more happy to, to be part of this team. Awesome. Well, let's, let's, let's go there then, Derek, let's talk about the journey because um, you know, it, it takes, it takes a lot to get to a position uh, of where you are now and um, for yourself, given the fact that you uh, that you were obviously a very accomplished junior golfer, an amateur golfer, uh, played at the highest levels, uh, played on the uh, University of Ottawa golf team um, and, uh, you know, a great playing 
a, a great player in your own right, and still are, by the way, but let's, you know, going back, at what point during all of that, given how good a player you were, at what point did you decide, you know what, I need, I, I want to know more about the golf swing and I want to teach. I want to be a golf instructor, not a player. Yeah, it, just, it goes back, um, you know, I'm going to say back to when I was 15 years old. I, I knew what I wanted to do at the age of 15. And, and you mentioned, you know, I was, you know, I was a pretty decent player in my own right. And like to think I was and played in Canadian amateurs, stuff like that. But um, I can honestly say I was also very realistic as a junior and as an amateur growing up. Um, and no matter how good I was, I knew I was never going to make it to being a tour player. Um, and so at the age of 15, I sort of, I was working with my instructor back then, and it really was what gave me the sort of urge to want to go down that route, um, at some point later in life, um, because I enjoyed, I guess, the journey of improving with my coach more, I guess more than I can say, like even more than playing or more than competing even I enjoyed my time with my coach more than anything and being able to work with him whether it was in the winter or in the summer on the range grinding it out sweating like crazy out there um I enjoyed that part of the journey more than anything so I uh I just kind of want to stay towards that route as I was getting older and um yeah I I would say going that down that route was always going to be my intention and so you know, then my, the only thing my parents said to me is like, okay, no problem. You want to do that. The only thing you have to do is uh, finish school and finish university. So uh, that was something that my mom and dad both said. And uh, so I had to, and we went to the university of Ottawa, um, which was back then we had a, a great team. They still have a good team, but back then, like, you know, the internet was still so new. So trying to get scholarships was a little difficult. I would say back in, you know, the late nineties, um, as the internet was just kind of coming out, I guess you could say. And, uh, I, I didn't know how to go about getting a scholarship back then when I was in grade 11. Um, so, you know, Paul Carson, uh, the head coach there for Ottawa U reached out to me. Um, I ended up going there and, uh, like our, our, especially our first couple of years there, our line, our first, our top five on the lineup was awesome. And, uh, we got to experience a lot of NCAA golf, um, down in the, in the U S traveling to South Carolina, Virginia, Delaware, Maryland. Um, we barely played up in Canada, actually. So uh, even though I wasn't on a scholarship, I was playing like scholarship golf, I guess you could say, university golf against all these guys on scholarship. So that was fun. Um, but I, I still had this thing about the golf swing. And uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to dive deep into that as I got older. Now, Scott told me, uh, uh, you know, okay, I say Scott, for those, Scott McLeod, a uh, uh, good friend of mine and, and, and associate publisher of this magazine. And obviously, you, you and Scott have been good friends for a very long time as well. Um, Scott had mentioned to me something about you when you were participating at the Ontario Amateur. And, and it sort of something about um, you, you were so frustrated with how you hit it good one day and you hit it bad the next day. And, and it was kind of that was one of those aha moments for you. Uh, with respect to, I need to know, I need to understand this more. I need to know more. And, you know, would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, Scotty knows a lot about uh, how I think we, we bounce ideas off each other all the time in the golf swing and, and he's bang on. There was uh, that, that moment where, you know, I like to think, you know, like you said, I, you know, I like to think I was a pretty good player and still try to be. And uh, there was this uh, event where literally I went out there playing great golf and, um, you know, the first three days were, were awesome and I'll never forget it. People think I'm crazy telling this story. Like, I can't believe you tell people this story. And I'm like, it's reality. It's what happened. Um, I tell every one of my juniors this story. Um, and uh, I went out there on the final day and I'll never forget. I shot a hundred on the number and uh, I literally duck hooked every single tee shot. Uh, and I'm not even kidding when I say I duck hooked every tee shot. I duck hooked every tee shot. not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. and, I'm shocked uh, you're and telling this story too, but I, I, I as a as a golf instructor, yeah. and especially with your juniors, I totally get why this story would matter. Yeah, and and so I, I like you know just I, the instruction back then is obviously very different than what it is now, and the understanding of you know why the ball does what it does is extremely different, uh, essentially backwards from what it used to be, um, and. So we, you know, we were taught, for example, back then, if you wanted to hit a, a draw, you had to close the club face. And so my, my 
to my normal shop was was a draw uh, always has been and and I went out on this final day for whatever reason um and I decided uh, I I didn't see the shot at first I wanted to see and uh, so I kept <laughs> closing the club face more and more as I was rotating it through the impact area and and I just literally duck hooked every tee shot except for par threes and um so uh I just, it's one of those things like, yes, it was very frustrating. Um, I never forgot it. Uh, I can pinpoint, I can picture almost every tee shot I hit that day, literally to this moment. Um, and I said, uh, this, there's gotta be something more to this. I'm doing what I'm being told, but it's not working. And now that we know, of course, you know, if you want to hit a draw as a right-handed golfer, you don't want the club face closed. You want it open. And, uh, you know, <laughs> people probably are going to hear that and go, what, but, I mean, if you look at the simple definition of hitting a draw that starts right and comes back to your target, well, the face has to be pointing there. Well, that day when I shot 100, I can tell you that face was pointing so far left. Uh, but yeah, that, that really is what kind of said, okay, there's more to this. I want to dive deeper. And I, and I dove very deep after that, <laughs> I guess you could say. Now, you, you, you got your start. Um, uh, obviously, the education obviously play, played into your favor, obviously, whatever your, your parents telling you to get your education, because obviously to become a PGA of Canada professional, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't come without having to have an education. And I'm sure that a lot of what you did with uh, at, at uh, Ottawa U, uh, the courses you took transferred directly into the uh, into the golf uh, program, uh, you know, to help you get your class A uh, PGA of Canada uh, status. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Like uh, as the as a PGA of Canada member, you you have to have certain education requirements. And um, uh, so I what I did was I said, okay, um, my parents and I talked about this and said, okay, if I'll, I'm not going to go and do the PGM course at a college. I I I felt like when it came to the golf side of things, um, I worked at a golf course since I was a young kid and all that. So I was like, I, I want to learn more about the business side of it. So that for two reasons, one. I didn't know I'd be, in, I'd be where I am today in the role that I am today. And um, if I was going to be a head golf professional and all that, I, I need to know the business side of things. So that's really what I went to Ottawa U for was to learn uh, business um, and be able to put those, those tools into play uh, besides golf, you know, once I got into the business, the golf industry, the golf business. Um, so yeah, that's why I did it. And again, the other thing too, my parents always said like, look, maybe you want to do that now, but you know, 10 years later, maybe you don't want to do that anymore. And now you've got something to fall back on. Um, and so, you know, kudos to my parents, um, you know, for always thinking that way and, and being level-headed for me that way. Um, but am I, I'm not going anywhere when it comes to the golf business. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, uh, you know, I still obviously use those business degrees, uh, you know, to use now, but um, I, I tell you one thing, if I ever did go back, I'd probably want to get into more of the, uh, kinesiologies and uh, maybe the, the biomechanics part of uh, courses. Um, I wish I would have done some of that now looking back, but oh well, it's yeah. uh, still served me well. Hindsight's 2020, right? So, Absolutely. Uh, so you, you get your, uh, you're, you're getting into the PGA, you got your start really at, uh, um, at Smugglers um, mm -hmm. as, a, as an assistant pro there and, and got to doing some teaching there. And then you moved on uh, from Smugglers, you moved uh, back back home, if you will, to uh, Brockville Country Club, and uh, you know went from from an assistant, you were assistant there, and then then the head pro. Yeah, I was um, an assistant for one year. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and then the head pro, they put in a new practice facility while you were there uh, with the short game area, which was awesome. Just gave you an opportunity to to hone those skills as a teacher a little more, and then from there you moved on to the marshes. Um, where you, uh, where you kind of just took that, that's where I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of where everything just really started to, to flourish as far as you being a, a golf instructor, um, is your, during your time at the marshes. Yeah, I, I would say, um, uh, yes and no. I would say it really started when I was in Brockville. Um, and, and the reason I say that is, uh, so I've owned TrackMan now for about 10 years. And um, it was in my time in Brockville when I really started diving into the, the technologies for teaching and, and really wanted to learn more about what the body and what we're really doing to the club in our hands so that, and then to the golf ball. And I, I, that's when I really started going crazy in this stuff. Um, and so luckily it was Brockville. It was the, the board directors at the time. Um, I wanted to purchase TrackMan, but I didn't, own, I didn't have $30,000 of my own money. I was just getting my career off and going. Um, 
And uh, so I actually did a presentation uh, to the board directors and I'm forever thankful for this. Um, and uh, I did about an hour long PowerPoint presentation with videos and numbers and, and being able to show the business side of things as well. And, um, and I asked them essentially if they would purchase it for me. And then I had a plan to pay it back to them over the course of three years. And uh, I didn't know if they were going to do it or not. Um, and I left that meeting and I uh, found out I, uh, I was waiting an hour later. I still hadn't heard anything. I was like, oh God, I guess they're, they're either still talking about it or this is a no-go. And then um, I found out shortly after that, they were like, oh, no, no, no. Like we, as soon as you left the room, we voted on it and it was unanimous right away. And we just moved on to something else. We didn't think you were waiting for us. Um, and so that's when I really started to flourish, I guess you could say, in the uh, industry for, for teaching and instruction. And, and that opened up so many doors for me working with, um, you know, some tour players that uh, play in the PGA Tour and, um, and some PGA Tour Canada players and, and allowed me to work with all these elite players. And uh, that, that's really, I would say, what got me started. And then the marshes came along and it really just jumped me to a, the next level of being in a bigger city um, and opening up some doors that way. Uh, but I, I would still say that Brockville was where I, um, I, I really started to, to dive deep into all this. Okay, well, let let's go let's go down that road, Derek. Since you're you're kind of leading you're leading the uh, you're leading the bus a little bit that way. So let's let's talk about the technology. Um, uh, TrackMan is obviously uh, you're you're very um, extremely knowledgeable about TrackMan, and and uh, obviously it's what you're using where you are now at Royal Ottawa. Um, but you 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 dove into it pretty pretty deep, and but I want to talk about you you're a younger professional so you're not you're not of the old school um way of of teaching completely um i mean i'm sure obviously there are some old school methods that still apply but um you know that's fair you're, you're you know the technology side of it is you're you're very into that so what is it about the technology in particular the track man um that allows you to to be a better teacher? What do you pull from that? What kind of information gets pulled from that? And how do you use that to make your students better golfers? Yeah, um, no, that's that's good. Uh, you know, Scotty and I always say, you know, like, well, why guess when you can measure? Um, and, and I really do believe that. And, you know, I I say this, I just said this to actually someone today when I was uh, teaching them here at the Royal. I, I said, I ruined more golfers than I helped uh, when I first started teaching. I can guarantee you that. Um, and I say that because we didn't really know what was going on. We didn't have anything that could really measure uh, well and precisely. Um, and, and so we were just using, you know, some video and, and essentially teaching off a lot of preferences. Uh, and I understand when I, I still have preferences today and not every instructor does. Um, but we also have a much better understanding of what is really happening and, and what happened at the moment of truth, that impact. And so you know, when I, when I'm using these things with, with students, um, I tell everyone now, like, I, I don't necessarily need TrackMan right now when I'm teaching. I've seen, you know, I, I did a quick calculation a little while back, but I'm going to say almost a year ago, I guess. And like, I've essentially seen all just under 2 million shots roughly on TrackMan over the course of 10 years between all the, the shots I've seen in the summer, my winter academies that I've had for the last 12 years. Um, and then so 10 of those with TrackMan. Um, and it's when you start seeing a lot of swings and a lot of shots, especially when you can see the ball flight outdoors, um, outdoors, I can now, if I know the person's club head speed and I watch the ball flight, I have a very good understanding based on how high it went, how much it curved, the, uh, where it started as to what the numbers on TrackMan are really going to tell us. And I, I, I test myself against people all the time and I'll turn away from all the computer screens and I'll put them in the back. I mean, I'll look at the ball flight. I'll say, based on that ball flight, based on your speed, your attack angle was probably this, your um, dynamic loft that you delivered at impact was probably this, your club path was probably this, and your face angle was probably this. And I'm usually within a degree every single time because I've seen so many shots. When, I, when I'm using these technologies, I'm not looking at a computer screen. I'm watching the golfer. I watch the ball flight until it lands. And then I look at the screen to see what the, the validation was of everything. And, and so that's kind of how I use it. I really build the trust of the student a lot quicker because we have stuff to validate, to, to actually quantify what just happened. And when you understand the physics and the geometry and the math and the biomechanics behind all of this, 
you know, the, the one thing I say all the time, and I've said it in, at the Ottawa golf show up on stage. I, um, I, I, I even said it, uh, in the, um, interview process for coming for this, uh, this gig. I said, if I can't change a person's ball flight in five minutes, I won't charge them. And I say that because it's not their fault. It's my fault. Um, if, if you truly have an understanding of what the biomechanics are with, of uh, how we move with this thing in our hand, um, and how a straight object hits a round object and you, you understand all of this, you understand the physics behind it, you should be able to change someone's ball flight extremely quickly. Um, so I, that's really how I use technologies is to, for validation. I gain the trust of the student more. Um, as soon as I start, you know, but it's a, for me, it's an easy game right now, but I watch a ball flight and I start spitting out, you know, numbers that are about to pop up onto the screen. And then they do. And the student just looks at me like I'm kind of crazy. And I'm like, well, it's just, it's just history. It's experience. Um, you know, I've seen so many ball flights with these things. So, you know, that's just with track, man. And then you dive into like pressure mats and you dive into 3d motion capture. Um, and you know, it goes on and on and Sam putt lab. And, you know, I, I use all these technologies because like I said, I just don't ever want to guess. I like to know exactly what the person's doing. That information is for me. So I can make the proper judgments at that point and the proper adjustments to them and, um, and offer running. So that's kind well, of, I think that's sort of the, um, that's, and that's why I wanted to ask that question, Derek, and, and why you're the perfect person to answer that question um, is because of your understanding of how the technology works. Uh, there's naysayers, obviously there's, you know, whether oh, yeah. it's, uh, whether it's other teachers or whether it's, whether it's uh, golfers that, that don't believe that, you know, that teaching via, uh, a computer screen or numbers is is the way to go and and that's why I wanted you to to talk about this is like again we don't have the the largest audience in the world here by by any stretch but it's growing. To, to, to let enough people know that what you said there is it's validation it's mm -hmm. not this is not this computer in front of me and this machine is not instruction it's validation yeah. I see yeah. what I see I know what I know. Now I'm showing you what I what's over here to validate what I'm trying to tell you so that you understand that I'm not, you know, it's just blowing smoke up your butt. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's um, you're 100% right. It's a, uh, it's not a magic box. You know, um, you can't, this was the, I guess the problem with some people where they thought they just go buy a track man. And next thing you know, they're, you know, it's gonna make them the best teacher. It's like, no, 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 it doesn't track man doesn't tell you what to do with the student. It doesn't tell you what to change. It tells you what happens. And then it's up to you to understand that information and understand how that person moves and understand their, their mobilities and immobilities um, of how their body is functional and to then change how they deliver the club to the golf ball in order to see a, a different ball flight or a preferred ball flight that they, they want. Um, yeah, there's, there's nothing about this that's magic. And I tell everyone, it's, it's, uh, but when it comes to this game, it's not, it's not an art, it is a science. Trust me, I get it. There's some art, artistic values to it of our feels and sort of maybe how we envision certain shots. But in the end, what you do with this club in your hand is purely comes down to science uh, and understanding how these things move. Um, so if you wanna see a certain shot, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're Tiger Woods or Jeff Bowder or Derek McDonald or Scott, whatever, it doesn't matter. Your club must be delivered to the golf ball in a certain way in order to see the shot you're trying to hit. Now, how we get there is all going to be different. That's why you look at, you know, Tiger Woods, Jim Furyk, and Matt Kuchar. You know, the, those three swings are completely different, and that's why I always say, like, I have, you know, I have preferences. I don't, I don't have this mold of I'm trying to fit everyone into this mold. Um, I'm just trying to get them to be dynamic, and I got to figure out a way that how is this person dynamic? How can they perform best? Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you right now. My swing, I, I don't put it on video very often and it's not the worst swing, but we're all critical of ourselves. And uh, my swing looks a little bit more like Matt Kuchar on the backswing than it does Tiger Woods. I can tell you that. I can produce how Tiger looks at the top of his swing, but I can't control the ball flight from there. I'm not dynamic from there. Um, and so I, that's kind of how I use all these technologies and, and understand that it's, um, it's just information, you know? And I, and I don't spit out, all, I don't sit there going, oh, well, here's your numbers and, you know, here's your club path and here's your face. Like who cares that they don't, a lot of time they don't even know until I educate them what that stuff even means, but they need to understand how, what do they have to change in their move to change their, their ball flight? Well, it's like, 
the the track man can tell you well you know here your club path is coming uh, this number of degrees on the inside so you need to swing a little bit more on the from the outside yeah. oh great yeah, thanks exactly. thanks a lot buddy yeah, thanks for telling yeah, me now exactly how am i supposed to get it to the outside swinging exactly. the way i'm swinging it to the inside like that's exactly. where the, that's where the instruction comes into play it's like yeah okay your path is this your your angle of attack is this and your launch angle is this and that's why you're doing what you're doing so what i need you to do is i need you to start coming more from the outside shallowing out that attack angle and lowering the launch angle yeah okay great thanks very much i'll go work on that right now <laughs> yeah yeah that's gonna really you're gonna be really successful saying that to a student <laughs> help me out a little bit here buddy yeah exactly exactly and that but that's you know that's what a lot of people fall into and people that don't understand you know what we do with this club in our hand unfortunately you end up seeing a lot of that with some students and some instructors and then and they're just spitting out numbers and and the student just goes, well, ah, that's great, but I don't even know what I got to do now. You know, they just left the lesson going, I heard all these numbers, but now I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I use them differently. I use them as just, here's the information of what happened. Now we got to figure out, okay, what do we got to change in your move? Uh, what are, sometimes it's just even, I mean, you could talk about old school and new school. I mean, literally sometimes it's just changing a grip a little bit to change the face angle. And so that the face isn't wide open throughout the golf swing. And that person now has the incentive. They're kind of incentivized to come from the inside because the club, club face is under control. But when the club face is wide open throughout the, the, this path that we swing on, on the backswing and on the downswing, if the face is open, that person's never going to come from the inside because if they came from the inside with the face 15 degrees open, they're going to hit it 150 yards to the right. And so they're never going to do it. Now you fix their grip, fix the club, which fixes the club face. And now they become incentivized to do it. So, I mean, it can literally be as easy as changing a grip. Um, it doesn't have to be the most complicated thing in the world. Uh, but I like to know what's going on. And then we can figure out what that person does from there, whether we do it through video as well on top of that, whatever it may be. I mean, I still tell everyone I use video every lesson. I just make sure everyone understands you have to be super careful with using video. It's two-dimensional. It's not three-dimensional. You're not measuring anything. You're using some reference points. Um, and if your camera angles are off, you're going to start seeing things that you're not really seeing. So you got to make sure the camera angle is right. The height of it is correct. Like There's a lot to it. So you got to be careful with that stuff. Now, um, you know, technology aside, uh, as, yeah. a golf, as a golf teacher, there's, um, I'm sure that there are books that you read uh philosophies that you that you you employ um you know give us an idea of something of, of some teacher or some um you know that that got some instructor that you've read you've read books on that you that you read their stuff and you go yeah you know i i kind of aside from the technology and the numbers and stuff that i can create i can get from from my lessons this is sort of a philosophy or this is a concept that i that I truly believe in. Yeah. Um, do I read books and stuff? Yeah, I, I read some golf books. Um, I would say like, I, I'm going to mention Scotty's name again, just because we bounce so many ideas. I, we're always, we always consider each other like teaching partners when it comes to this stuff. Um, you know, like I would say bouncing ideas off of people that are a heck of a lot smarter than I am. It really is what it comes down to. Um, you know, when, when we're stuck, when, like, you know, Scotty and I are working maybe with Noah or someone and we can't figure something out. We've, I've always said to Noah, Noah Steele, by the way, um, plays for Team Canada. Um, I've always said, if, if, if you're doing something and, and I don't know the answer to something, I'm not going to BS you. And, but I will tell you this, I'm going to tell you I don't know, but I'm going to find out the answer. And the nice thing is, is we have this, like, and I, like Scotty and I have this incredible networking group of golf instructors, golf instructors, uh, um, scientists and bio, biomechanists uh, that we can reach out to um, on demand and, and ask these questions that we're always curious about if we're stuck on something. And that's really where I start to, um, I, I would say that's where my, my teaching ideas come from and my philosophy, I guess you could say, kind of, I, I guess I build my philosophy around my knowledge and understanding and, and what I think works best. But, but when it comes to actually what happens and what needs to happen, like, I didn't create this information. People a heck of a lot smarter than I am um, came up with this and researched it. I'm just able to steal their ideas or, or be, be lucky enough to, to discuss these ideas with them and, uh, and understand how this works a little bit more in depth. And that's kind of where I would say a lot of my knowledge comes from. Like, nothing I teach, I can't say there's anything I teach that's 
pretty much original from me. There's like, it's, it's all created by somebody else. Um, and I've just been lucky enough to, to grab those ideas and those concepts and, and understandings uh, to build the knowledge and, and I guess a little bit of the wisdom, I guess you could say, but um, how I teach it. Sure. That's all. That's just me. That's just my natural self. Um, and what uh, process I, I go through for, for teaching. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't really say like, uh, a lot of the stuff I listen to is, is so much is not really necessarily mainstream. Um, you know, it's not the Chuck Cooks or the David Ledbetters or, you know, God love those guys. Um, I, I have the most respect for a David Ledbetter who's like the pioneer of golf instructors uh, for traveling out on tour and stuff. I mean, it wasn't for him. A lot of guys wouldn't have a job. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I just sit there and read a lot of books to create my philosophy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, that's fine, Derek. I mean, and, and that's, that's very understandable. And it's, it's humbling for, for us as professionals in our, in our craft. Um, you know, obviously I, I say professionals in our craft because clearly I am not a golf professional nor an instructor of any professional level. Um, but I'm a, I'm a professional in, in what I do as a marketing, Absolutely. marketing pro professional. And while I may have my own philosophies and my own ideas, nothing that I have that's my own philosophy or my own idea was anything that I created myself. It's yeah. always something that somebody else has thought of ahead of you and that you've, you've basically just, you're picking bits and pieces from, from all over all these. It's like picking brains. It's like you're sitting in a room with the a hundred of the smartest professionals in your field and you're just grabbing a little bit of knowledge from each one of these professionals and you're pulling it into the way that you communicate that to a student or in my case to a client, but to whoever you're talking to, it's like, okay, yeah, well, all of these pieces together make up what I'm trying to teach you. And it's how I communicate it to you is my, is, is that's my uniqueness, not, yeah. not the philosophy, not yeah. how to grip a head. Oh, this is how you're supposed to grip a golf club. This is Derek McDonald's yeah. version of come on, really? Like we're, Harry Varden's the one that come up with this, not not anybody exactly. else. Like, but, exactly. But how do I tell you how to do this, this, and this? Mm -hmm. And that's my uniqueness, not not yeah. what I'm teaching you. Exactly. Yeah. No, I to totally agree, hundred um, percent. And uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't say like I, you know everything I do. I guess. Uh, I try to be myself when it comes to uh, lessons and people are coming here. I tell everyone, I know people are nervous when they come and see me for a lesson. And that's just because they, now they have to step up in front of this golf professional that they, look, they may look up to, or they think they're this almighty person. Um, and I tell everyone just to calm them down. Like, look, I'm just a regular dude. You know, I'm nobody special. Um, I just happen to know a little bit about the golf swing, maybe a little bit better than some others, whatever. But um, you know, let's just relax and have some fun here and let's figure out what you do and we're going to make you do things better. And, uh, um, and that usually calms people down pretty quick uh, when they start realizing that, you know, even yourself, you just realize you're just a regular dude, just like you're a regular dude. Like, you know, they're, they calm down and it's, it's off and running. Now we can focus on their game. They're not here going like, crap, am I going to top my first shot in front of this guy? Like, you know, uh, nah, they're, they're pretty calm. So, but, uh, yeah, no, I would agree. It's um, just grabbing all this information from everyone all over the place. And we're still learning. I mean, the one thing about this game, it, we're constantly learning. Um, we as instructors and, uh, and the, the, those, those guys that are out there, um, those scientists that are doing all the research and, and the biomechanists that are studying this stuff, we're still learning more and more. We know there's things that we know there's something else going on. We can't quite figure out exactly the impact, but they're getting closer on some things. And um, so that's why I, I, I'll never get stale learning. Uh, I'll never stop trying to educate myself and figure out what's what's being talked about out there in this world uh, when it comes to the golf swing and how we move our body and how this club interacts with the ball. And um, it's a it's a nice journey. I'll tell you that, though. It's a, it's something that because you're constantly learning, it's always exciting. You don't you don't get bored because there's you're just always learning. I learn every day, whether it's how I taught someone, um, what I just learned, how that person you know, maybe they got this funky setup, but they figured out how to make it work based off of their transitions. You know, like it's just, a, it's never ending. It's never ending. Now, uh, anybody watching on YouTube could see the background setting that you're in there. Anybody listening on uh, Spotify and, uh, and Apple podcasts or wherever they're listening to can't see anything. 
Um, <laughs> you can't block it. <laughs> now, um, so that brings me to uh, sort of uh, where I want to take things next uh, is uh, what you're doing now. Uh, you're, you're the academy manager. I think I got that right. You're the academy manager at Royal Ottawa Golf Club. Um, clearly one of the most prestigious uh, golf clubs uh, in the country, uh, let alone in the Ottawa area. And, um, and you're there and they have, um, they have a, a new setup. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you're sort of the one that's spearheading everything that's going on with this new setup. So tell us about what is happening at the Royal Ottawa and what you're doing. Yeah, no, this is, um, it's awesome. It's just, this place is so great. Uh, so very fortunate when this came, you know, this, this opportunity arose, it was just one of the, I knew it was one of those moments where I was like, all right, this is what I've been working towards now for, for 15 years. Um, I'm going, I want to go after this because this is all I want to do is teach and, and be doing this, but they've got this incredible facility where we've got brand new driving range. It's a TrackMan range. So essentially the old driving range is now being turned into a full short game area. Um, the whole length of the range, the, the old range, um, it's just huge. Uh, it looks like we're going to be getting the seed and the sod down very shortly, probably most likely. I don't know for sure, but I think it's not going to be ready till uh, spring of next year um, to be used. But uh, so right beside that range, they built this new range that's got, um, it was the first TrackMan range in Canada. Um, and, uh, on, on the T deck, we've got this incredible Academy building where we've got my office. We've got two, uh, hitting bays in here. Um, both of them with TrackMan technologies in them. Uh, we've got TVs and computers and fitting tools galore. Um, it, it's pretty spectacular. I will tell you this, uh, you know, to the point where it's going to be definitely one of the best, if not the best practice facility in Canada, once that short game area is complete. So, um, yeah, just uh, now running that and uh, organizing all the programs for here. So all the different junior programs and the coaching programs. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I knew it was going to be busy at some point when I got here. I just never knew it was going to be so fast. Uh, the, the members here are super eager and are golfers like they are here because they are golfers and they just want to learn. And um, it's uh it's going to be a busy summer. I'll tell you that. So I'm hoping I can find time to fit everyone in. Um, I guess that's my only concern right now, but uh, uh, no, it's, it's pretty amazing. So I'm very fortunate to, to be here and um, yeah, thankful. Very thankful. Well, Royal Ottawa is very, uh, I'm sure is very fortunate to have you there, Derek. I mean, uh, obviously you've, you've spent an awful lot of time uh, building a reputation for yourself. You spent an awful lot of time learning and trying to understand um, how to make people uh, better golfers, um, even if it's, you know, somebody that needs to break 100 or break 120 or, you know, aspirations of making it out onto the PGA Tour at some point, you've, you've put yourself in a position where you can be the guy to help them get there and, and you should pat yourself on the back for that, uh, for sure. I think uh, I appreciate that. I think I need to pat my wife on the back for putting up with me on these, these long hours. And um, I think uh, all the uh, time I spend at home trying to study and research more stuff, uh, I, I'm very lucky to, to have the support um, from her and, uh, and my stepson. So uh, yeah, no, I appreciate those words though. It's um, it means a lot and uh, it's, it's exciting. I'll tell you that it's uh, definitely the most excited I've been in my career. So that's awesome. Well, Derek, listen, uh, I'm glad we were able to do this. I'm glad we were able to uh, to learn a little bit more about you and uh, and uh, and learn a little bit more about what's happening out at the Royal Ottawa. And and once again, congratulations on the new position. All the best uh, through this summer and uh, and continued success uh, in the golf industry, sir. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, appreciate everything that uh, you said and um, have said over the years, and have been uh, also a big support of mine. And uh, um, so, thank you for the friendship and the uh, the support. So, thank you Not so much. No problem. All right, Derek. Take care. You too, bud. That's awesome. Um, thanks uh, so much, Derek, for uh, for coming on and uh, and uh, telling us more about you and how uh, and your journey, your path. Uh, it's funny because. Um, you know, I know so many people in the golf industry. I've been doing this for 25 years now. I know so many people in the golf industry, and there's so many uh, very unique stories. Um, it's been it's been awesome uh, that uh, uh, that we've had so many great guests on the on the podcast, and so many more great guests to come. 
I'm learning so much more about these people and most of them I've known for a very long time, but I'm learning, you know, little nuances and, and obviously it's nice that they're sharing those things with you as well. So, so you learn a little bit more about them and, you know, some people have been doing what they've been doing for a very long time. They're in a, they're in the spotlight, they're very popular, but some of these other people, you know, them, you've heard of them, but maybe you don't really know everything there, you know, as much about them as you might think. And, and Derek's one of those guys, a, a great guy. Um, and uh, a great instructor. So, you know, it's nice that we could have him on and, uh, and learn a little bit more about him. And of course, what's going on at Royal Ottawa, some exciting stuff happening um, at, uh, at that golf club. So, uh, well, it's time to head out to the lesson tee um, for another golf lesson, for another quick tip with, uh, with a good buddy, Kevin Haim uh, from the Kevin Haim Golf School. All right, golfers, time for a quick tip. This one has this little five inch nail with electric tape on it to help you out. Place that in the vent hole of your grip. You can use a tee as well, and it works on a swing away from the golf club, a neutral, nice swing away from the golf club. When I'm with my students, I teach them how to swing that golf club the first couple of feet and make sure that tee stays in between their forearms. If you start taking your club away and that tee disappears behind your arm, or even worse, comes out the other side, the club's behind you and you're in big trouble. Next time you're practicing, Stick something like that in the end of the golf club and just work on those first two feet and make sure when you look down, you can still see it between your arms. A great way to take the club away from the ball with a nice neutral swing. It will help you play better golf. Well, I may have to head out to the, uh, to the uh, backyard hitting net, uh, the, driving, the driving range, and uh, give that tip a try. It may, maybe it'll help me out a little bit. I don't know that too many tips will help me with my golf swing. I'm kind of ingrained in stone with whatever it is that I'm doing. And don't, I'm not really welcoming change. Not too much anyway. Anyway, thanks again, Kevin. Great tip as always. Um, well, there is some stuff happening around the 613. Obviously, there is some stuff happening. There's some golf to report about. There's some things around the region to report about. And, and obviously, who better to talk about uh, th all things uh, uh, golf news in the 613 than, than our good friend Scott McLeod from Flagstick Golf Magazine. Uh, Scott's the uh, um, associate publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine and uh, got his ear to the, to the ground uh, of everything that uh, is happening around the region. Uh, so let's... Uh, Let's bring Scott on for uh, this week's, uh, this month's, this week's 613 Golfer Podcast Regional Golf Report. Hey everyone, Scott McLeod here, the associate publisher of flagstick.com, back for another regional report on the 613 Golfer Podcast. Uh, as many of you know, there's not a lot of golf going on in the 613 region right now uh, due to the Ontario provincial government lockdown, but that doesn't mean there's a lot of, not a lot of things happening in golf around the region. Certainly, we're covering a lot of that on flagstick.com. If you check in on the website, we always have lots of news uh, and things that are going on right there. So uh, really, like I said, without golfers on the golf course, definitely some things that are still happening in golf and around the region. Uh, basically, this break is providing a little bit of an opportunity for the golf courses to do some things when no golfers are present at their golf courses. Uh, we're seeing all sorts of projects happening at clubs. Uh, Canadian Golf and Country Club, for an example, uh, is taking care of the parking lot, doing some paving that's there. The Renfrew Golf Club, for an example, as well, is also doing some bunker work. And you're seeing that at a lot of courses, a lot of heavy maintenance projects, different things that are happening and going on. So certainly when golfers get back to the golf courses, uh, they're going to be in pristine shape and really ready for you. The other side of it as well is that commerce is still happening at golf courses. We're seeing a number of different services available at many courses around the region, including uh, online stores where you can basically buy green fees, memberships, all sorts of different things. Uh, we're also seeing uh, curbside pickup for pro shops. Uh, pro shop sales are really great around the region for a number of golf courses, very active, people picking up everything from golf carts to bags to clubs, you name it. Uh, obviously, you can order that online and do curbside service. And also the take out business still continues to be strong for a number of golf courses around the region so make sure you check out uh, their social media channels make sure that you have a look at what they're doing what they're uh, uh, basically offering there's lots of dinners there's outdoor markets there's lunches there's all sorts of different things so try and participate in some of that and see if you can support the golf courses around the region uh, also as well even though golfers from the region are not playing in the region certainly golfers from 
within the region are playing outside the region. And probably the biggest news in the last month is the play of Brooke Henderson, who managed to get her 10th LPGA Tour victory in Los Angeles. Uh, double digits has been on her mind for quite some time, and she's very happy to get that 10th win now. It's been a little bit of a drought since her last victory. She last won in June 2019. Obviously, there was not as many tournaments to play last year, but certainly she's very happy now and has a lot more confidence now that she's been able to get back to the winner's circle. And certainly, as we know, with her ninth win, she became the winningest uh, Canadian on the LPGA or PGA Tour. And 10 now brings her into double digits, which is a brand new territory for an LPGA Tour player or a PGA Tour player from Canada. Uh, she's enjoying a little bit of a break right now, decided not to go and play the Asian swing. Uh, so she said she'll be working on her game, practicing, getting ready for the rest of the season. Uh, also in LA, uh, it was a good week for um, caddies from the region as well. Obviously, her sister, Brittany Henderson, who caddies for her, they got the win. And also finishing in the top 10 were Hannah Green, who's caddy Nate Blasco is from Kingston, and Mel Reed, whose caddy Ryan DeVoe is from the Napanee area. Uh, as well, again, more news happening around the region. I'll check my notes here. Uh, basically, on March 19th, the podcast here, uh, Drew Lefebvre, the tournament director from the OVGA, was on to announce that they were going to have the new OVGA Golf Hall of Fame. They've started to reveal some more details about that. We have all the full story, again, up on flagstate.com. They are going to be doing a ceremony uh, later in the year, uh, they're going to have a virtual Hall of Fame and they're going to announce their uh, first class of inductees uh, early in the summer. And basically what they're doing is they're basically, um, we've got 100 years of active organized golf in the region which we'll honor and you'll see that in our next issue of the magazine uh, but they've decided it's time to have a hall of fame so they'll start with the first class and they'll work from there uh, golfers have to be at least 35 and have done um, basically most of their um, activity and their their accolades will have happened and tied into the area served by the ottawa valley golf association uh, six member committee that they've established for that uh, hall of fame committee uh, includes drew lefebvre who was on the podcast Podcast. Uh, Joe McLean, who's uh, obviously works for us here at, at Flagstick, but he's the OVG historian, also a past president. Alex Pugh, uh, David Ferries, and Lyle Alexander. So that will make up the OVGA Hall of Fame committee. Uh, now, obviously, because of the uh, lockdown, uh, some tournaments that were going to be happening early in the year have had to be moved. Uh, the OVGA has uh, moved at least one tournament in their schedule. Uh, who knows? There might be more, but check on the OVGA.org for that and for their updates. Uh, we're also seeing, obviously, the flagstick uh Flagstick Amateur Open Championship has had to be moved, so that will be moved to June 26th, 27th. We've informed all the players in that. Uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, you know it's what we're we're planning to have a great tournament. So we just want to make sure that it happens this year. Last year we had to move it to August, so we're happy this year that Equinel uh, is on board as far as having June 26th, 27th, and happy that uh, we've got the continued support from sponsors TaylorMade and Adidas Canada. Uh, other news for the region about golf tournaments, the Loyalist Junior Showcase, which was supposed to happen this weekend uh, down at uh, Bath, Ontario at the Loyalist Golf and Country Club. It is going to be pushed back to June 12th and 13th. So this is a great showcase event. Jeff James, who's been on this podcast to talk about the event, uh, but it will still be happening, but June 12th, 13th. So keep an eye on that. Also keep an eye on schedules for the Play Junior Golf Tour uh, and also other junior tours to see if there's any modifications to those schedules. All right, other news from the region. Uh, three more n items to really take care of. Uh, John Mills, some of you may not be aware that he is from Eastern Ontario originally. Uh, John, his brother Jeff. Now, John played the uh, Corn Ferry Tour uh, and also played the PGA Tour, was a winner on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, his brother Jeff is also a played the uh, Canadian Tour and now is a uh, club professional at uh, Wildfire Golf Club just outside Peterborough. And their dad was a longtime executive director of Golf Ontario. Well, you know what? They originally originally uh, lived in Deep River, Ontario, and then moved to Belleville. And then so obviously they have strong ties to Eastern Ontario. John now is the head coach at Kent State University in Ohio, and he's just recently been named the Mid-American Conference Coach of the Year. So kudos to him. Great job for John with the team there. Uh, they're doing great. Has some Canadians on the team as well. Chris Vendette, who's a strong player, and then also a Canadian assistant coach there, Ryan Yip. Uh, two other items of note here. 
in the college realm. Uh, Hunter McGee has been named the Central Atlantic Collegiate Conference Player of the Year. Uh, Hunter, if you're not familiar, is from Carp, Ontario. He won twice on the uh, NCAA Division II this year. He's a three-time winner already in college. Uh, the son of Alan McGee, many of you would be familiar with that name. Uh, he plays at Delaware's Goldie Beacon. So congratulations to him uh, on that recognition. All right, one last item here before I let you go. Uh, Red Rooster Gloves. If you've not heard about them, uh, Basically, you're going to hear about them in the next little while. They have a crowdfunding campaign coming up. The principals behind the company are Kerry Moore and Brad Fritch, who, again, uh, another golfer from the region, a Corn Ferry Tour winner, very familiar for probably a lot of you, played the PJ Tour as well. Well, they've got this glove company that started with uh, headquarters in both Ottawa and Raleigh, North Carolina, where Brad currently lives. And it's a neat program. Uh, as I mentioned, they're going to be doing a crowdfunding campaign. But, uh, you know, their gloves that they're providing really Really cool some neat colors you can check them out online uh, they have a subscription service that's going to be available they also have a neat philanthropic uh, end to their business so for every glove that you buy they're going to be donating a glove to either the uh, first tee in Raleigh in the triangle area of North Carolina where Brad lives or the first tee of Ontario so neat sort of uh, element to their business and that the fact that not only are they selling gloves uh, which are pretty cool but they also give back to junior golf as well. So that's kind of neat. So make sure you check that out. So hopefully there's some golf tournaments that are happening in the region by the time we come back for this regional report again. And we'll have a lot more details on some of those and provide you some coverage uh, for some of those events that could be exciting as well. So hopefully you're on the golf course soon and uh, make sure you check out the regional report on the uh, 613 Golfer podcast in another month. Well, certainly there's going to be a lot more things to come. As Scott said, uh, the season is going to ramp up very, very quickly when we're back to golf. Uh, anything that has been pushed has not been canceled is going to happen. So that means more golf in less time and uh, more stuff to report on. And that's what we do. That's what we do at Flagstick Golf Magazine and Flagstick.com. We provide everybody as much information about what is happening throughout the region and beyond. On this show, we're going to talk about 613 Golf. So if something happens around here, we're going to tell you about it. That is what we do. Anyways, okay, so the favorite hole contest continues. We're into week five now. We're getting lots of submissions every week. We get tons of submissions, but we can only pick one. Uh, and this week, uh, Jack Powell, who in his email to me did not specify where he was from, just said from the Valley. So I'm going to assume we're talking about a Valley golfer. And uh, he also mentioned that he is a bit of a transient golfer, not specifically a member at any one golf course, but really likes the Perth golf course. So maybe somebody in the Perth area knows Jack, maybe not. Maybe he's really that transient. Anyways, Jack submitted uh, number 13 at Perth. Now, anybody's ever played Perth, that is a beast of a par five. 617 yards from the back tees. At least that's what I know it to be. A um, little bit downhill pond to the left. Uh, very difficult hole. Uh, challenging, but fun and really nice looking hole too, especially from the tee. So thanks, Jack. Jack, we're going to send Jack a couple passes to play Greensmere. As a Valley golfer, Jack, you, I'm sure, have either played Greensmere, and if not, that'll be a treat for you as well. So thanks again. And if anybody else wants to get in on this, we get lots of submissions every week. Keep the submissions coming. We can only pick one, one every week. So submit your favorite hole in the 613 to me, jbotter at flagstick.com, and we will draw one selection every week and uh, put it on the show, put it on screen on the YouTube uh, channel uh, during the show, and shoot you a couple of passes to play uh, a golf course. I don't know which one it's going to be. I kind of randomly choose depending on what I have for golf passes to give out. So right now, a couple of passes to Greensmere for Jack. So thanks very much for that, Jack. Well, the warmer weather is coming. It is May. We're getting middle of May. The warmer weather's coming. A little less of this cold stuff. A uh, little, little bit cold out there right now, even for, for this time of year. Um, but uh, the warmer weather is on its way. Courses are really preparing uh, to reopen, uh, lots of stuff happening out there. As we said right off the top of the show, there's a lot of work being done on golf courses prior to uh, everybody being allowed to come back. And uh, they're prepping for you, so I hope you're prepping for them. Uh, get the shoes shined up, the sticks all washed, load up the golf bag with tees and balls, and uh, get the fresh batteries in your range finder and get ready to get out there and golf because it is coming. Well, that's it for me for another week on the 613 Golfer podcast. I want to thank Derek McDonald uh, from Royal Ottawa for coming on and, and uh, 
spending some time with us and uh, letting us learn a little bit more about him and what's happening out at Royal Ottawa. Uh, thanks to Kevin Haim and Scott McLeod um, for their little segments uh, on this show. And uh, I want a big thank you, big thank you to uh, Ping Golf um, for uh, sponsoring the show. Uh, Ping and uh, the all-new G425 family of uh, golf clubs. Um, do us a favor, check it all out at ca.ping.com. Uh, thank our sponsor. Um, you know, if you're really liking the show, and uh, and it seems like a lot of people are, lots of downloads, uh, lots of views on, on YouTube. If you're liking the show, we'll check it out. You can find everything at flagstick.com. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast there for the audio version. If you like the YouTube version um, and uh, you want to subscribe to the Flagstick channel on YouTube, we appreciate uh, you doing that. We're trying to we're trying to get to the ceiling. That thousand thousand subscribers is a number we're trying to get to. We're getting close. So help us out. Subscribe to the channel uh, on YouTube. Uh, click the notifications uh, bell and make sure you get every single episode and like whichever episodes you like. I hope you like them all. And um, yeah, so that's about it. Well, this has once again been the 613 Golfer podcast with me, your host, Jeff Botter. Um, see you next week. And always remember, go for the stick.